On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, we dive into the biggest trade in a long time in the NHL. And as promised, I will take a look at some of the biggest what-ifs in Canucks history and how they could have played out. It is Locked On Canucks on a weekend, and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Pooney. You can find me on Twitter at underscore process sports. You can also follow our show on Twitter at Locked On Canucks. Also, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are Locked On Canucks. We're also free and available wherever you get your podcast services. So, I know I promised you guys the biggest what ifs, three or four what ifs in Canucks history um, that could have you know changed for the franchise history, but also the history of the NHL. And we will do that, but we have to talk about the major, major news in the NHL. And that happened this late Friday night, early Saturday morning, if you're on the East Coast. Um, Matthew Kachuk, you know, it was, I talked about a couple, you know, a couple episodes this past week um, where, you know, he wanted out from uh, the, excuse me, from the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, subsequently following Johnny Goudreau's uh, exit. And then it happened. You know, I was sitting on the couch Friday night watching The Godfather, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I get a you know, look on Twitter and I see Matthew Kachuk trade to Florida. And I was like, okay, well, that's a pretty big move right there. And I was expecting Florida to, you know, kind of fleece, uh, you know, Calgary. I, I kind of felt like this was just a complete teardown for Calgary. But uh, then, as the the news came out and the reports came out of what the deal was, so if you've been living on a rock, you didn't know Matthew Kachuk gets traded. Subsequently, signs an eight-year, seventy-six million dollar extension with the Panthers, um, and in return, Calgary gets Jonathan Huberdeau, an all-star, Cole Schwind. Defenseman Mackenzie Weger plus a first round draft pick in 2025. So, my immediate thoughts were well, damn, Florida is still in their window. They want to go for it. But Calgary came out very well in this trade. You know, Jonathan Huberto was coming off a season where, you know, he played an integral part on the, you know, the highest scoring Panthers. Uh, this year and you know he was an all-star he was a you know played had a very very good season this past year you know he's had 115 points 30 goals 85 assists for 115 points which you just lost Johnny Goudreau who had a similar you know was over 100 plus 110 plus points and you gained a guy like that but you lost Matthew Kachuk so and you get Mackenzie Weger who is a very solid defenseman but Everybody was, I think the immediate reaction to this trade was a lot of people were thinking like, oh my God, you know, Calgary fleeced them. What was Florida thinking? Um, what? Why would Florida do this, give this much up? But 
I started thinking about it. It's you can think about it two ways. When you look at this trade, yes, in the immediate future, Calgary, the drop off from losing Goudreau and Kachuk is it was a deep, a deep fall, but they acquired guys like Huberto and Weger to kind of you know balance out their lineup. It's definitely they're definitely not the same team. They're definitely not as good as they were pre free agency. But they acquired a guy who's an all-star. They acquired another solid defenseman. Um, but the, the the missing link in this was both those guys are unrestricted free agents after this year, right? Jonathan Huberto. Uh, is a UFA at the end of this season. Uh, Mackenzie Weger uh, is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So what happens if they don't want to re-sign in Calgary? Well, then that makes this wish through uh, all over again. Now, you know, Huberto is making $5.9 million this year. And of course, next year he's going to cash in. 150 points, he's going to cash in and get a much bigger deal. And Bigger is making, I believe, 3.25. So, does Huberto, do they want to stay in Calgary long term? Right? The way I see it is this Calgary, if they can't get a deal with these guys going long term, and they get the indication that both these players do not want to re sign in Calgary. They're going to have to trade them at the deadline. Now, it could end up just being that the Calgary has to, you know, acquire more prospects and picks for eventually what will be Matthew Kachuk, or they sign long-term and it kind of works out. The best case scenario for Calgary is if Huberto and Uyghur say, hey, I like Calgary, I want to play here, um, and this is where I want to be long-term. That's the best case scenario, but I don't foresee that happening. I foresee a guy like Jonathan Huberto who, you know, reporters think he wasn't happy how this trade went down. Does he want to stay in Calgary? Now, will he be extra motivated this year to, you know, prove to everybody in the NHL that, hey, I am a top echelon guy in this league. Uh, I should have been, you know, a Hart Trophy you know, winner this year. And he was in talks for the Hart Trophy. But do I want to spend the, the rest of the time of my career in Calgary uh, with this team that's kind of in flux? You know, he's a guy uh, right now who is 29 years old. And in a similar situation as JT Miller, right? He wants to get that big deal, that deal that's going to set him up for, you know, future success. Um, he does have a modified no trade clause. So if he does get traded, um, he does have to, you know, he does have a certain say in it. So I'm very intrigued to see how um, this plays out for the Calgary Flames. Um, people are trying to say, okay, well, Calgary made up very good. What did the Canucks at? What are the Canucks going to get? Well, if I'm the Canucks, I would want a guy who has more cost control and you know you have more control over more cost certainty if you're going to trade JT Miller. Because if you trade JT Miller for another guy who's got one year left on his deal and he walks, well, what's the sense of that? You don't gain anything, right? Unless for sure you have an extension in the works with somebody who will be acquired, then that's, that's a totally different story. But if you were going to trade JT Miller and, you know, figure out a package for him and you acquire somebody who's got an expiring deal, but is the, you know, the integral piece of it, like a Huberto, I would want to make sure that this player is going to be convested with the Canucks long-term. I don't, I don't want to play that gamble that he might walk because we just saw what happened with Calgary. Hugh, Goudreau left, walked. They, they played out the year. They made their last pitch off, but at the end of the day, he didn't want to play in Calgary anymore. He left. Kachuk, RFA, 
did not want to play in Calgary anymore. He left. Now, Huberto, could he say, I don't want to play in Calgary either, and I'm going to leave at the end of this year? Or do they figure out an extension? Or do they get the inclination that he wants to leave, and then they just let him go at the deadline and they trade him? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Calgary. It's a very interesting situation that's happening in Calgary. But I know in Vancouver, that deal cannot be a, a similar, you know, a measuring stick. If they can get, you know, multiple pieces that can help out for sure. But where the Canucks are right now, they need cost certainty. They need uh, players under control that they that they can, you know, manage the cap around. They don't need guys that are going to be one year left on their deal that are going to go unrestricted free agency. I don't think that's the way to go. So that were my thoughts on that. Do I still think the Canucks forward group is better than Calgary's forward group as currently constituted? Absolutely. Calgary's defense is better. The goaltending situation, I guess, is a pick and choose. But if you look at those both those teams in a vacuum, I think the Canucks have a better forward group than the Calgary Flames. Calgary's got a superior defense, and the goaltending's kind of worse. So does that change what I said before? The Canucks, you know, are could be a playoff team. No, because I still think Calgary will still be. You know, I think it's Edmonton, LA, top two teams in the Pacific. Calgary, Vancouver, Vegas. You know, kind of fighting for that third spot. And then who knows what's going to happen in Winnipeg? You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, wants out in the Central. You know, Nashville, what's going on with them? Uh, Dallas, um, all these teams. We know Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado are still, you know, the solid teams in the Central. But after that, you know, there's five teams in the Western Conference, I feel, that are legitimate playoff teams. I think that's the Avs, the Wild, the Blues, Oilers, and the Kings. Those are the five teams. The rest, it's kind of what whoever else you know is vegas a full season of michael gonna be back so um i definitely think the canucks there is a spot there in that top eight in the western conference them to you know make a leap and jump in there but the defense has got to get fixed and this whole jt thing needs to be resolved um so that's kind of my immediate take with chuck trade um i think calgary did well but they didn't get themselves out of a big situation they got something for the immediate future but Again, it's up to the player now if they want to stay in Calgary. Both those mythical pieces they acquired for Matthew Kachuk. Florida now has a guy in Kachuk who's a 100-point guy who's going to, who just played with, you know, now he's going to go play with Alexander Barkov. And I think Barkov and Kachuk, we don't see a lot of Barkov in Vancouver because he plays in Florida, but best players in the NHL, best two-way players in the the NHL. And now you add a guy in Matthew Kachuk who brings that sandpaper, that type of energy and Quite frankly, what Florida Florida needs, I mean, they got punked in Tampa. Bringing a guy in like Kachuk who can play that mean, nasty, is exactly what Florida needed. And to have him uh, riding shotgun, those two guys, that's as good as you can get. So I'm interested to see how Florida now moves forward. I still think they're going to be integral, big, big. They're going to be contender in the Eastern Conference now. And also, they have Kachuk, you know, for the long term. They just signed to a long-term deal. So they have him. They know he's going to make his 9.5 X amount of years. So I think Florida won this trade. Calgary did very well. Florida got the best player in this deal, and they have now for the longest term time. As good as Jonathan Huberto is, Munger, I think he can do more. And I think he's got leadership intangibles. I don't think Jonathan Huberto has. So and plus, Huberto only got one year left on his, as I said, one year left on his deal. So I think Florida won this deal. I don't think it was that egregious. Calgary did well, but Florida 
I got the best player in the trade. And generally, my route of thinking is if you got the best player in the trade, until proven otherwise. So that's my thoughts on the big news in the NHL uh, this weekend, the Matthew Kachuk trade to Florida. Uh, but coming up after this break, I'm going to do what I promised to do and dive into some of the biggest in history. So stick around for that. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the fine folks at Built Bar. People who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste bud. Amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar. Friends at Built have given you a coconut brownie chunk, the puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut brownie chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen. They're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are here for only a limited time. So go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going to be fast. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about built puffs, of course, is they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. And the perfect, and they are the perfect treat. When you got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or when you or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut. Rich brownie, sweet, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing about built. Built.com. Order your box of chocolate, coconut brownie chunk puffs, excuse me, right now. And there's a special offer. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15. Now, as the NHL offseason kind of slows down, NFL news picks up because training camp has started for some teams and it's going to be in full fledged coming up very soon. So, with that, we at Lockdown will let you know which NFL stars move the betting line the most. Starting July 18th, Lockdown gives you 50 of the most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at betonline.net. Available on July the 18th, Lockdown NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So, welcome back to Lockdown Canucks, the show that, of course, keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I kind of tease this on Friday's episode saying that what if is a great question in sports what if derrick rose never got hurt what if grant hill never got hurt what if penny hardaway never got hurt what if the seahawks handed the ball off to marshawn lynch still stinks to this day um what if tom brady never panned out what if drew bledsoe never got hurt right what if is a amazing question in the world of sports and it's gonna be fun question so i'm gonna bring it to the canucks and I'm going to go through some of the, the most recent what-ifs. We'll do that because we could go down to, like, what if Nathan Lafayette didn't hit the crossbar, right? What happens if the, the puck went and he scored and the Canucks won the Stanley Cup? What if? But that's an easy one. But I want to go into, you know, what I know. What I know. And more revisionist history. The last 11 years, we'll say. Because, um, or not even that, these ones right now are the few of them are back to back, so I'm sure you guys are know what problem. First, the biggest what if is what if Dan Ham Hughes and Aaron Rome never got suspended? Does that change? Um, does that change the outcome of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals? Uh, I absolutely believe so. Dan Ham Hughes was, um, you know, the Canucks' steady, stable back on the defense. Um, I I still think that. Had he not gotten hurt on that hip check he laid on, I believe it was Milan Lucic, um, 
he would have played an integral part. This team, you know, he would have been a stable. He was a stabilizing force on that defense. What happens if you know Aaron Rome never got suspended? Um, I still think we that 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 suspension was very controversial. It still is. Um, I think had Aaron Rome never got suspended, never woke up the big bad Bruins, as they say. Um, I think this series, the Canucks were primed to win that series, right? They were up two nothing. They were the better team than Boston. Um, I think just the mental aspect of it, and then the the Bruins kind of woke up the physicality, and then the refs swallowed the whistles, um, and the Canucks weren't getting the power play opportunities they got before, and the power play went cold. So the way I see it is, if the Canuck, if Dan Hamus doesn't get hurt and Aaron Rome never gets suspended, the Canucks win the Stanley Cup in 2011, and that team in 2011 goes down as one of the greatest teams in NHL history. Um, they're already regarded as one of the greatest teams in NHL history. Never won a Stanley Cup, but if they win that Stanley Cup in their 40th year, um, whoever you know, following a year where they won the Olympics, they break the the Canada Cup curse. They break their on the 40th year. Uh, it would that year in 2011 felt like it's such a storybook year where you know they're having the best season in franchise history. The Steens are at the top of their game. Ryan Kess is at the top of his game. Roberto Luongo, Alex Burrows, just the, all the storylines were clicking. They would slay the dragon in Chicago. Um, you know, they get over that hump of, you know, the team that they not, that knocked them up the two years previous. They make it to the Stanley Cup finals and uh, they go up two nothing and they lose, you know, the next four to, what was it, four to the next five games? Yeah. And they get trounced. And I still think that if Dan, Dan Hamus does not get hurt and Aaron Rome doesn't get suspended in game three, the Canucks win that series because the Canucks were a better team. The Canucks were a better, you know, better position to win. And I think it's, I think it changes the whole course of this organization. That team is valid, you know, validated, um, they might have the, the they might go, you know, who knows that rebuild might have happened in 2015, 2016, anyway. But it sure would have given, um, you know, the fan base a lot, you know, the fan base were in a lot better place. Um, so I do believe they would have won. The next one, uh, that I want to talk about from that era is 2012. What if Daniel Sedin never got a concussion from never got hit a cheap shot by Duncan Keith in 2012? Um, and you know, had to, you know, miss, you know, some of the, miss the, the series against LA. Um, I, I don't know about that one. I think, uh, uh, I was kind of tossing when I was thinking about tossing it back and forth on, uh, what would, uh, what I thought would transpire that year. Um, so do I think, you know, the Canucks, of course, won the President's Trophy that year. But do I think that, you know, they were going to win uh, the Stanley Cup in 2012? You know, they brought in David Booth and, you know, they ran it back. And there was still, you saw like the, the the you know, Danielson came back and played two games in that series. But that series was pretty much over anyway, right? Uh, the LA Kings went 16-4 and four in that playoff run. That team had Jonathan Quick, who was becoming the best goalie in the final. Drew Doughty was becoming an elite defenseman. And we started, that's when we kind of ushered the Kings-Blackhawks dominance 
uh, of the NHL. So while I do think the Canucks would have had a better chance, I don't think they would have beaten that LA Kings team because that team was clicking on all cylinders. That team had all the ingredients to be successful in the playoffs. So that what if, I don't believe. I think the Kings were a better team than the Vancouver Canucks. And Daniel Sedin or not, they ran through the, the Western Conference that year. They ran through the playoffs that year. So, well, I believe in 2011, they they would have won had the you know, injury and suspension happened. That Daniel City injury played an impact in, in that series, but I don't think it would have put, I don't think Daniel City would have done enough for the Canucks to, I think once 2011 happened, although they had a very good regular season, they won the President's Trophy the next year, I don't think they would have won in the playoffs or made an extended run. Yes, people say they played Nashville and Phoenix and then New Jersey following it. Um, and that was easy, an easy road to the finals. But that team showed you they blew through everybody on road to the Stanley Cup that year. So um, I disagree with that that take where many people say that the Canucks would have won the Stanley uh, have If Daniel C. never got hurt, they would have gone back to the finals and potentially won the Stanley Cup against New Jersey. So I'm not a big believer in that. Uh, so coming up after this last break, I'm going to go through one more. Uh, what if in Canucks history and uh, yeah, just take you my thoughts on that. <clears throat> Welcome back to locked on Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things, Vancouver Canucks. So talked about what if 2011 Danny Hamus never got hurt from hip checking Milan Lucic and what if, uh, Aaron Roman never got suspended. Would that alter the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals? I said, absolutely. The Canucks would have won the Stanley Cup. I thought the next year where Daniel Sedin was cheap shot by Duncan Keith, missed, you know, the end of the regular season and majority of that series against LA and LA went on to win the Stanley Cup. I'm going to go to the first what if in Vancouver Canucks history. I got, sorry, two more. Two more. One is the very first what if. Probably the first what if in Canucks history. Um, what if the Canucks got Gilbert Perot uh, in 1970? Now, it's the infamous story where, you know, the wheel was spun and the Canucks got it, but they didn't get the first pick. They got the second pick where they took Dale Talon, who you know, was a decent player, but he wasn't a Hall of Fame player like Gilbert Perot, who went on to have you know, multiple 100-point seasons. The B Sabres became a very good expansion team. They had the French Connection line in Buffalo, and he was, you know, a hockey Hall of Famer. Um, how would that have changed Canucks history? Well, it would have given the Canucks a superstar. It would have given the Canucks some legitimate players in their first year when they didn't really have any legitimate players. Um, but would that really change much? We know hockey's a team given at that time. There was so much other stuff going on in the NHL that would have made it so hard for um, teams to um, you know, play. You know, the Canadians were getting seemingly every French Canadian that was coming out of the draft would go to the Canadians uh, in the first pick, right? There was a lot of different stuff going on there. Um, it was a different NHL, so I don't believe that notation that if Gilbert Perot came to the Canucks, it would have changed the course of history. They still would have been a bad team in the, all of the 70s. Um, I don't think that um, that would do that have done anything. But this is the last one. This is the most important one to me because this is the era of Canucks that made me love the game hawk, the West Coast Express. What if the Canucks had beaten Minnesota up 3-1? They had to win one more game. One more game. What happens if the Canucks beat the Minnesota Wild in that second round 2002-2003? Well, then they would play Anaheim, who had J.S. Jaguar, who was hot. But let's face it, 
That Minnesota team was playing a dead puck game. They were not as good as Vancouver. Um, the Canucks choked that series. They choked it. They choked it for sure. Had the Canucks won that series, they would have played Anaheim against Mike Babcock, Paul Korea, J.S. Jaguar, that whole squad. Canucks would have beat them. They would have played against New Jersey in the finals, and they probably would have lost. Let's face it, New Jersey at that time, the whole dead puck era, they were the kings of the dead puck era because they had guys like Scott Stevens. They had guys like Ken Danico. They had all these guys that played that dead puck game very good. You know, the grappling, the holding, all that stuff. And the Canucks at that point in time were an offensive juggernaut team, I think. And they had Marty Brodeur in that. And you can't bet against Marty Brodeur. So what if the Canucks you know, had beaten the Wild? They would have gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think that would have been crucial because that West Coast Express team would be remembered in a higher regard than they aren't. They always get talked about, well, they were a good regular season team, but never the playoff success, which is very true. But had that team gone to the Stanley Cup Finals, which they should have that year, they should have gone to the Stanley Cup Finals that year, they would be put, talked up with the, you know, the 94 team and the 2011 team. They would be, for sure. Um, and it's a shame that it never happened because they deserve that. And that team, I've said it before on the show, that that team deserves more respect from Canucks fans because that team brought the franchise back up from the depths of the mic. It was horrible. And it brought them back up to relevance where they were a contender in the Western Conference for a significant period of time. And they allowed the Sedins to develop into what they eventually became, the best players in the world. One of them, right? So um, the way I see it is what ifs and stuff like that. What if? That's why it's called what if. Like, who knows? Uh, maybe we would have a couple Stanley Cups as, Van- as Vancouver Canucks fans. But we can't do a deal on that anymore. So that's why this episode is a one-time thing. It's a fun thing. Um, I don't want to look back on the past too much. I'm looking forward to the future where uh, I do believe the Canucks have a bright future. And I do see some positives coming forward. So that is that for today. This was a special weekend edition of Locked on Canucks, the show, of course, that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. We'll be back on Monday to dive more into the Canuck land and all the news and all the fun stuff that we will continue on with our player projections for the upcoming season. So don't worry about that. Uh, for your second listen, I want you to make Locked on NHL your next listen. Uh, our Locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Step to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Guys, take care. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.